Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Lance Ryzen will join us to break down the film on that game from Sunday, the victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but we have a lot to get to today. Normally, we kind of set up the week for you in this podcast. We each come up with some things we're watching as the Browns get ready to play the Chicago Bears on Sunday. But instead, there's just been a ton of news. And so we're going to start with um, the biggest news of the day, and that's Jedrick Wills. Uh, Mary Kay, we, we talked about Jedrick Wills on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod on Tuesday. Um, we were talking about the future of the tackle situation. We were getting questions about other updates on Jed. You know, when can Jed come back? And initially the reporting was about six weeks, but now it turns out Jed underwent arthroscopic surgery and his year is over. So we will not be seeing Jed Wills again and the hits just keep on coming. There's another guy we're going to get to a little bit later who's out for the season too. Uh, But now the Browns will definitely be without their starting left tackle along with their top two right tackles for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a week. It really has. Um, And we are only at Tuesday. But, you know, it started on, you know, on game day when Grant left with a groin injury, and then it just kind of continued on from there. Uh, You know, Dewan Jones getting ruled out right before the game on Saturday with his knee injury. You knew that that, you know, that that was not going to have sort of a happy ending. It just didn't sound good at all. So Dewan out for the season, uh, you know, with his knee injury, undergoing surgery, and then Jed. And as you mentioned, when I initially reported on Jed's injury, Uh, You know, I was told by someone that it would be about a six week injury, give or take a little bit. So I was thinking, well, you know what, with DeWand out, you know, maybe he will have a chance to get back here pretty soon. Lo and behold, we come to find out he is under he underwent surgery today an arthroscopic uh, knee surgery today. And he is also out for the season. So, um, you know, the thing about the tackles being out is the fact that, you know, you can get away with it in some games. And in this past game, they were able to get away with it because they didn't have a lot of like really formidable edge rushers. The Jaguars did not. And they were very low on the totem pole in terms of sacks. I think they, I can't remember if it was like 26th or something like that, or they were low uh, in the league in terms of a sack total. And it just wasn't the kind of game where you had Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt screaming off the edge. You didn't have that. But once this football team gets into the playoffs, and they're also going to be, they're going to be facing some tougher defenses coming up. The Bears defense is good. The Texans defense is good. The Bengals defense is good. You know, I mean, they've got some defenses that they're going to have to play here. Um, But, you know, when they get into the playoffs too, they're really going to start to see some edge rushers. And that that is when uh, they're really going to be tested. And now because now they have they don't have a mobile quarterback. They've got a classic 
drop back passer who needs to be protected. And he has been protected in the first two weeks, one sack and two sacks. I think it was, maybe it was two and then one or one and then two, but whatever the case, he hasn't been sacked. He's been kept clean. He's been kept upright. And, and now you're, they're down to their fourth and fifth tackle options in Jerron Christian on the left side, James Hudson on the right. And like we talked about yesterday, Dan, uh, the drop-off from DeWand to James Hudson is the 29th-ranked uh, tackle in the NFL compared to, like, the 86th. So significant drop-off there. And then as we go forward here, then I'll get into a little bit more about, um, you know, Alex Leatherwood and a few of the other guys that are kind of hanging around. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, look, Bill Callahan's a magician. We've seen him do great things. I mean, Jaron Christian is a great example of a guy they pulled off the street. That, that Bill knew and they turned him, they've turned him into a serviceable left tackle. But at some point, at some point, even though it hasn't happened yet, these injuries have got to start catching up with you. It's just the nature of the beast. I know they always say next man up, but you know, there's a reason some guys are starters and some guys aren't. And they're really, when those edges of that line are going to start to get tested, I, I don't know. It's going to be really difficult. Like, like Mary Kay said, like if they got to play Baltimore in the playoffs, that's one of the best pass rushes in football. Like, I don't know how you deal with yeah. that with, with a guy like Joe Flacco, who really doesn't move very well. And think about this. This isn't even like next man up. This is like Mary Kay said, fourth and fifth man up and man up who was sitting on his couch, taking his kids to school every morning in the case of Jerron Christian a few weeks ago. I mean, it's just been, an anomaly and you're right you know I do wonder like the the Bears for example they they don't have the best passing defense but they have a really good run defense um and even that it's like okay how is that going to kind of impact things down the line I worry about the stress that it puts on the rest of your line like we already know for example like Wyatt Teller can get pretty handsy and prone to penalties and pass pro. So like if he's got to pick up more slack there, James Hudson's pretty prone to penalties. You know, we've seen that already. I think some of that's an experience and trying to stay a step ahead, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like you said, this isn't just next man up anymore at this point. It sounds like Paul Anka agrees. I don't know if he can get out there and protect the quarterback or not, but they might, they might need him to, (laughs) he he could I mean he's a lunatic today he got his hair cut yesterday that dog needed three people to groom him okay so those pictures I posted on my Twitter and I said he's trying to convince you he doesn't deserve coal for Christmas that is all he deserves he's he's been terror the last day so cute so Mary Kay where I mean where where do they look now you mentioned Alex Leatherwood um, you know, we know James Hudson has been that swing tackle. If, if they go that, if they continue to go that direction, I, I guess, where does this all sort of go um, as they try to cobble together this tackle situation? Well, the next man up, as we know, is James Hudson, but I don't think he graded out all that well in this past game. And as I mentioned before, uh, you know, that wasn't the most ferocious, ferocious pass rush in the NFL coming at him. Um, so they, they do have, uh, first-year pro Leroy Watson on the roster right now. And then on the practice squad, they have Alex Leatherwood, and they have Justin Murray, a fifth-year pro out of Cincinnati. But but Alex Leatherwood, this has flown under the radar, is injured, and he's not going to be able to help. I'm not exactly was, sure what his – Yes, I saw him in the locker room with a walking boot the uh, last week. He was walking in the locker room, holding a walking boot, going back to his locker and set it down there. 
Yeah. So he's got some kind of an ankle injury or foot injury or something along those lines. And so he's not going to be able to help right now. He hasn't even been practicing. So, um, you know, that's significant because they're going to have to add somebody to the practice squad or the regular roster to beef up these, these tackle spots. And again, Right now, you know, they've gotten away with it. But as they move forward and as they get into even the playoffs, I think this is going to be an area to circle and kind of be concerned about. So let's move to the other side of the ball, because there was a a little bit more news today. Um, Obviously, Dewan Jones was placed on IR officially. But along with that, we find out Maurice Hurst is now on IR. His season is over. Uh, A torn peck for Mo Hurst. So he's done. He was a very valuable player piece to this defense and he he came off the bench and he made plays in that defensive tackle room um and so this is a bigger loss than i think maybe a lot of us might have expected had we been told this was going to happen at the beginning of the year um ashley you've you've spent some time talking to mo you've written some stuff about mo um obviously he's a guy that's dealt with injuries in the past i mean this is a tough break for him personally but also like the browns are going to miss him i'm curious if you guys want to take a guess at where Mo Hurst ranks this year in terms of PFF grades amongst the Browns. I I saw that he was top 20 in pass rush win rate. I saw that. I don't know about his grade, though. So is, so you're players. talking about amongst his, Browns defenders? Yeah, amongst, on amongst the Browns, Browns defense, where he ranks currently. I'll go, I'm going to go nine. He is second behind Miles Garrett. He is their Ooh. second highest graded defender right now. Um, and he's played 302 snaps so far this year. And yeah, like Dan, like you said, this is really, really the first time in a while that he's been healthy. He struggled with injuries the last two years. He didn't play at all in 2022. He only played 41 snaps in 2021, both of those years in San Francisco. But I mean, you guys know, I talked to Mo in May at OTAs. Like we had kind of, he was always this guy I was like, I was so interested in. Because he, you know, they bring him in. We were like, ah, maybe he could be a practice squad depth. But he pretty quickly climbed these ranks. He was familiar with the scheme because of what the one they ran in San Francisco. And I know he talked a lot about feeling motivated because he knew he didn't get the contract he wanted, right? It's like a million point and some odd hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And he took an opportunity and ran with it. The fellow guys on the D-line called him a technician in the system. He helped them pick it up faster especially like Dalvin Tomlinson, like he's raved about him. Jordan Elliott's raved about him, those other interior guys. And he's gone out there and produced. He's got a couple of sacks. He's, you know, gotten after the quarterback. He's gotten some good run stops for them. I mean, it just seems like he made big plays and did different things in games that they really needed it. Even in Seattle, when he got that, was it the interception in Seattle against the Seahawks where he lined up on the edge because Z had to come out for a minute. He had never done that before in his career. And he's like, yeah, I just like went and did it. And it worked out. Like he made a play. I think he, he's been almost exemplifies like what's been special about this defense this year to me. And I do think it's, it's a loss that if you would have been talking about this in June, it not only would it not have been like a big deal. I think people would be like, Oh yeah, Mohurst is going to get hurt again. Like he's actually, I think really carved out a nice little niche for himself in this defense and, and made a case for why he should stick around. I think. 
Now, I would agree with you on all of that. What I don't agree with is him being number two behind Miles Garrett. I mean, if, if, we, if we did if we did a draft of Browns defenders this so season, true. I think that um, I just and maybe we will maybe we, maybe we will do that. But if we did that, I think we would put. Um, I would like to think that we would have had. Well, you know, Denzel or Martin Emerson. I was going to say, this or, is an argument for why, like, and we talk about this all the time, like Denzel's PFF grades this year feel so off. And Martin's right. too, like something with the DBs. But take it with a grain of salt. PFF has Mohurst graded crazy high on this team right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't like PFF grades. But yes, good good for Mo. His agent is certainly going to use that this offseason for, for <laughs> sure when, when he's ready to come back. Uh, but right. like I said, I did see someone tweeted that he was like, top 20 among defensive tackles and pass rush win rate. So uh, in the league. So, I mean, he, he has been good for sure. Mary Kay, the, the difference here is there is a path forward for the Browns at tackle. And it is, Hey, this guy you picked in the third round and said you were going to turn into a Ferrari. You're up. Like it's time for one of these draft picks who's been inactive and hasn't been able to get on the field to step up and, and make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's time. People keep asking me where he is, what's going on, uh, you know, with Siaki Ika. And, um, you know, now is his opportunity to show what he can do. We see him out there practicing every day, and he just really hasn't had had an opportunity to make an impact yet. Um, But lo and behold, you know, there's no time like the present. So, let, you know, let's see what he's got. I'm I'm anxious for one to see, you know, what he's all about. And Kevin mentioned this when Dewan Jones had to to step in, Ashley. There there's no redshirt years in the NFL. Now they're trying with Luke Whippler. They're trying as hard as they can. Although I think he has been active for at least a game. Um but you you can't hide guys. You just can't. The injury bug's no. gonna hit you and these rookies are gonna have to play. And as much as you want to develop a guy like that, he's gonna get put in the spotlight. So now like third round picks should be able to contribute in their rookie years. So we've seen said Tillman, he's been getting some run. He's made a little bit of progress and now it's Siaki Ika's turn. Yeah. You know, I think this is going to be a testament to the work that's gone on behind the scenes. I think some guys thrive in that role and some not so much, like we haven't seen enough to know the answer to that. But, you know, I think even a guy like Nick Harris as a rookie, right. Where he came in or was Nick Harris a rookie in 2021 or 2020. He was a rookie in 2020. Okay, so not as a rookie, but the second year when he had to step in for J.C. Treader in Green Bay and graded out really well, right? Even though he didn't have a ton of experience and we hadn't really seen him play, it is possible. And that, I think, is a testament to the work guys do in practice and all of those things we don't get to see. But I don't think that's a given either. So, like, there is still always some unknown when you have these younger guys step in. But it is, I think, a chance to make a splash and show at least to the team that you've been doing the work and putting in the time when it comes to your own development. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up this segment with this question, Mary Kay, what, when's the breaking point? Like at what point is it just too much? I mean, is it, is it as simple as like, Hey, Joe Flacco better stay healthy. And if he ends up getting hurt, then it's done. It's over. Or is there another breaking point someplace else? Well, before we get to the breaking point, I would also like to spend a couple of minutes on Grant Delpit, who I've come to find out uh, there's a really good chance or at least a decent chance that Grant Delpit has been lost for the 
rest of the regular season himself. And I think that's a huge loss. They just gave Grant a three-year, $36 million extension. And they did that because he is living up to his second round potential. And they're loving what they're getting from Grant this year. He's really flourishing in this Jim Schwartz defense. He's doing a phenomenal job out there. And, um, and you know, I think that this is a pretty big loss for them to be without Grant potentially for the rest of the season. We watched him hobble off the field with a groin injury the, the other day, and you could tell it was really bad. He could not put any weight on it at all. And, well, actually, he could put a little tiny bit of weight on the leg, but not full weight on his leg as he was helped off the field. And then, um, you know, we came to find out that it was the groin injury. So it's, it's you know, it's probably a pretty decent tear and I don't know if he's going to make it back for this, the rest of the regular season, which takes you down to, you know, Juan Thornhill is suffering from a calf injury as well. And he tweeted yesterday, you know, that, you know, something about like God doesn't make mistakes or whatever. It caused a little bit of a flap on Twitter and people were wondering what that was all about. Um, but, you know, who knows what that means? You know, maybe he needs to miss another game or two. We don't know. That was kind of a a pregame warm-up thing, basically. I mean, he was supposed to be ready to go. And um, and then some, you know, he tweaked it or aggravated it in pregame warm-ups. And so, you know, sometimes when you do that, then you know, you're not even back the next week. So we don't know. They might be down to their third and fourth safeties. Fortunately for them, Ronnie Hickman stepped in, did a nice job in this game. But um, but I think it's a big deal that Grant might have to miss the rest of the, the, the regular season. And after you guys comment on that, then I'll tell you my breaking point. I mean, I mean maybe that's the answer. Um, and, you know, because, look, Grant's been their best safety. Um, I don't think there's any debate about that. And, by the way, they're also down Rodney McLeod. Like, this would be a great time to have Rodney McLeod, but he's out for the season with a biceps injury. So now, like you said, Mary Kay, they could be down to, let's say Juan can't go on Sunday then you're starting Ronnie Hickman and I guess DeAnthony Bell. They signed um blank Deron Harmon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is he on their practice wherever wherever he is on this roster? Um, so I guess maybe that's an option. But Ashley, like we're really getting we're really getting down into the depth here if those two guys are gone. Yeah, you know, Grant is one of those guys, too, where you look at the PFF grades and you're like, how is this guy graded this low? Because it doesn't always align with what you're seeing on the field for him. I think that Grant has, you know, performed to the high expectations that he set for himself this year. I think it's a huge loss, like you said, because they've already lost depth with Rodney McLeod. And I think the reality is, I mean, Juan Thornhill's had injury issues all year, too. He has not been that stabilizing presence in that unit. You know, I think when they brought Juan in and had Grant, it was like, oh, well, like, that's good because that's a guy with experience. He can kind of step into that vocal leader, JJ3 kind of role. But I think Grant actually, like, swooped in and said, nope, I am I can do it. I can be a leadership voice. I can contribute on the field in more ways than I have currently and fit really well in this system. And you've seen it. I mean, I think it helps, like, you know, how much did we hear in training camp and stuff about them cross-training everyone and they're not being a true free and strong safety? I do think that's part of what has enabled a guy like Ronnie Hickman to step in. But, I mean, yeah, I'm starting to get concerned about some of the, the depth issues because for so long this season it was – 
oh, like the offense is just getting ravaged by injuries for whatever reason. The defense had stayed relatively healthy for a really long time. And now that's sort of starting to catch up to them in different ways. And Grant is a pretty big domino to fall if you don't have him the rest of the way because he's truly just all over the place in that system. Okay, so Mary Kay, what it, what's the breaking point? When When is too much too much? <laughs> well, I think, you know, if they lose Miles, I think that that would probably be uh, the breaking point for them. I think it would be hard to, uh, you know, to overcome that because he's obviously their best defensive player by far. And that would be a tough one. That would be really, really tough. I mean, not com- not a complete deal breaker. I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, that it would be uh, good night Irene for them after that. But I think that if I had to, if I had to name a breaking point, that would be it for me. Yeah, Ashley, does that sound kind of right to you? It's it's Garrett, or like I mentioned earlier, like if Joe Flacco gets hurt, I mean, yeah, DTR. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I think that's sort of like okay, they they've yeah. stretched this as far as they can go. Yeah, I think one of those two guys are probably it for me, just because so many other guys have already gone down or have questions, injury questions, lingering injuries. Like, I do think those are the two where if you don't have Miles, you haven't really gotten the sack production from others along that D-line beyond, you know, what they did on Sunday in that win. Um, And yeah, Joe Flacco, it's like, what do you do at quarterback after that? I don't know. So (laughs) those would probably be my two where I'm like, I don't know how you're coming back from those. Well, it turned into an injury day, as so many have here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Um, The Browns lose another tackle. They lose a defensive player. Uh, We're waiting word on on exactly what's going to happen with Grant Delpit here in the near future. So maybe we'll have some answers on that uh, as we move forward into Wednesday and get ready for the Chicago Bears. Because, oh, yeah, the Browns have to play a game on Sunday still. So uh, we are going to take a break. And on the other side, Lance Reisland is going to look back on the Jaguars game and break down everything he saw in that one. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We now welcome on Lance Reisland as we do every Wednesday. Lance, how are you? I am well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. Okay, let's get to it. Joe Flacco, week two as the starting quarterback. He will be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. 311 passing yards. Tell me what you saw out of Joe on Sunday. Was there progress from what we saw against the Rams? Well, yeah, I think, well, first, you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about it's a brand new offense. Well, I, I will say this. Joe, Joe's been around a long time. So in football, it's more terminology for him. So it's high lows. It's, you know, slant arrows. It's crossing routes. It's, you know, there's some different variation. There's levels, concepts, but it's just getting the terminology down. He's thrown these concepts. There's only so many concepts in football, um, you know, and, and you can window dress them and people do a great job of that. But he's really... Uh, what he's done, he's, it seems like he's mastering where people are going to be. He understands that. Again, I think it comes down to he's a really good fit with, with what Stefanski wants to do. Stefanski's not having to try to fit, you know, you know, sometimes a square peg into that round, you know, round area with, uh, you know, with uh, uh, with uh, Deshaun. So I think it's just he's more comfortable. And, uh, you know, like I said, he threw for 311, but he made a lot of really good throws. Um, and, and Stefanski's really setting him up to for success with his formations and his personnel, in my opinion. 
you know, I was talking to Mary Kay about this on the Hey MK podcast. You know, when when you look at the stats, like they've been fine. I mean, the completion percentage is a lot lower than you'd want it to be. It's in the 50s. The ratings have been okay. Obviously, the 311 passing yards, first Browns quarterback to do that since Jacoby Brissett did it last year. And, um, you know, you look at the recent guys to do it. It's basically Jacoby and a bunch of Baker Mayfield games. So that's certainly significant. But when you look at the stats and you look at what you're watching on the field, they don't match up. It just looks it looks better than even the stats would tell you. So it, is that kind of what you're seeing, too? Yeah. So they're you know, it's just kind of like the run game. Everybody's talking about the struggling run game. Well, what they're doing now is they're getting timely runs. So it's not really it's not going to be qual- it's not going to be quantity where you're going to get the 10, 12 chunks that you did with Nick Chubb. You're going to get quality runs and you need quality runs on first down. You need quality third down runs. You need quality red zone runs. The same thing with the passes. You got to get, you know, a lot of times, you know, hit those slants and those hitches. So it's second and five. So you're getting, you're keeping the offense on track. You're moving the sticks. You're playing complimentary football, which allows you to flip the field with the, uh, with the punter. So they're doing things that kind of tie into where they're not relying on just the offense or just the defense. They're kind of tying in and they're, they're not relying on Watson, which is, you know, in the end, you have to have great quarterback play to make it a, a deep run in the playoffs. But a defense travels and a defense travels in weather and a defense travels on the road. And the Browns are, are are protecting that defense, and those guys are you know continuously play at a high level. Teams have had some had some success, but they're also they're also making timely plays now. So uh, I don't think it's about you know it doesn't match, and I agree with you because the numbers are are, are pedestrian uh, to say, but the the timely throws and when he's making them and the importance of when he's making them uh, are very very good right now. All right, so so let's get into those the the play design part of this uh, because I know those two touchdown passes uh, you were excited about those. So let's just start with that first one, the the deep one to Njoku. Well, the first one was great. So they had he put, it was third and one. He puts Dunn in at tight end, Harrison at fullback. Third and one, uh, the Jags take out their corners. So they got safeties. They got they got an eight man front, uh, and their corner forgets to cover and. It, uh, Hunt does a great job of picking him up and he runs free. But the, the reason that worked is because of the personnel and the down and distance, because again, I think that's a trust factor. You got a veteran in there, third and one, you feel like you can get a first down if it's fourth down. Um, but the Jaguars reacted accordingly saying, you know what, they're going to play close to the best and they're going to run the football here and get a first down and keep the, keep the sticks moving. Great time to take a shot. Plus, plus side of the field. Uh, I love the call. I love the, uh, the max protect, um, they brought, you know, they had they had an eight man protection, the two man route, and really it was a one man route because Brian didn't run much of a route. He got covered, but just a really good play call, setting them up for success on the down and distance, uh, where they're at in the field, uh, time in the game, et cetera, and, and having a lot of trust in your quarterback who's still pretty new. I loved it. And then what about that second one? All right, so the forty one yarder is fantastic, <laughs> and there's some subtleties to it that I really like. So first of all, they start in three by one, and Moore's going to come in motion, and when Moore comes in motion. It screws up the coverage for the Jags. So when Moore's outside, he's the number one receiver. Then he motions into the bunch. He actually becomes the number three receiver. The Jaguars were playing a, a banjo cover, we should call it. And basically what it means is that the guy in the out, the corner has the first guy who comes outside. The safety has the first guy who comes to the inside. And the guy who's on the bunch, who was Najoku, is covered in man coverage. Pretty general coverage for a bunch look. Well, by motioning it, it created immediate eye candy, immediate eye conflict, and both the safety and the corner ran with more on the crossing route, and uh, Bell did a great job of sitting in the hole. What's really cool about the play is if you watch it from the All-22 in the end zone is that they bring seven. So they bring seven. Hunt does an amazing job of picking up the A-gap blitz. Now, by picking up the A-gap, A-gap blitz, you're going to see Flacco kind of move to his right. 
because the seventh guy is not blocked. And he just knows he has to buy enough time to be able to hit Bell in that hole because he either knows Moore's coming wide open or Bell's coming wide open because they don't have anybody left. It was four for four because of pass protection. So just a really subtle, that subtle move by Flacco, having faith that he knew that Hunt was going to take the A-gap guy and not the guy coming in C-gap just shows you what a veteran he is. Uh, the faith he has in pass protection. Hunt knows what he's doing. Uh, that's a really, really uh, well-thought-out play by both Stefanski and well-executed by Flacco. And so many little subsidies to that. Really, really well done. There was so much in this game. And for you as a play caller, I'm just wondering if you recognize some of this stuff too. It just felt like Kevin... Kevin felt like Kevin again in this game. And it felt like he had a lot more confidence in Joe in this game than he's had in, in his quarterbacks in a long time. I, and, and one of the things that stood out to me is he went for it on fourth down three times. That's old Kevin right there. That's the, that's the confident aggressive, you know, this is the spot to go for it. So we're going to go for it. And he doesn't do that. If PJ Walker or DTR is his quarterback in that spot. So it just felt to me like for the first time in a while, Kevin Stefanski felt like Kevin Stefanski again as a play caller. Well, you know, he everybody wants to run the ball, and he does a great job running the ball, but he's a little un, unconventional at times. And, he, you know, the thing, you, when you have a veteran guy, you can take those hitches and those slants and those easy yards, those gifts we used to call them, where you're just – if the uh, defense is going to give it to you, you take it because it's like an extended run. So even though the Browns aren't running the ball maybe as well as they want, when you got a guy like Flacco, he's going to get you to seven and, uh, second and five all the time because he's going to hit a hitch. Or he's going to hit a slant. And he's going to be really consistent with that because his footwork is always really good. He's going to throw it from the same spot. They know where to pass protect. And he's really, really confident in what he sees uh, from the secondary and the shells and things like that. So uh, I do. I think, you know, you, they, they ran some levels routes. They ran, you know, they get into their run game with the counter game. They can get underneath center. He can be in the gun a little bit. Uh, Kevin's more, besides his boot waggle, Kevin likes to be in that that empty. He can get in empty with those guys. He um, he has such a good understanding of coverages and fronts and blitzes. And that blitz on that touchdown pass tells me he knows exactly who's coming and exactly who's picking up who with that subtle movement to the right before hit bell. So I just think Stefanski has complete confidence in him uh, as a play caller to be kind of, uh, you know, 50, 50. And that's really where Stefanski wants to be. He wants to be a true 50, 50 guy, in my opinion. Okay. The offensive line continues to be in flux. Jed Wills now officially done for the year. Uh, so it's probably going to be Jaron Christian over there on the left side, the right side, probably James Hudson. Maybe they add somebody and go a different direction. I don't know. But we know there's not going to be any Dewan Jones anymore. There's not going to be any Jed Wills anymore. So the Browns down to really their fourth and fifth tackles at, at this point. Um, how is this line holding up with, with all of these injuries, especially at those two spots? Well, they're very lucky to have Coach Callahan as their uh, as their mentor, right? So they're going to be very well schooled in what they do, both both physically and mentally. Uh, I see them going to more of a gap scheme, uh, more than the outside zone, and here's why: because in the gap scheme, there's not as many rules. You know, when you're running that zone, it's a double team up to the linebacker, depending on which way the linebacker goes, uh, whether the inside or the outside gun comes off, and it's not really hard, but it just takes a long time to kind of marry that. Uh, and when you have veterans, they know the fronts, the coverages, etc. With these new guys in, I expect a little bit more uh, gap scheme because that's coming down on a hard double inside, and there's no rules. And it's really a lot easier to teach an offensive lineman. I still think they run zone, but I think you're going to see a lot more gap scheme. And in pass protection, uh, I think Stefanski is one of the top guy, top five guys in, in the NFL in terms of being able to help tackles. He'll help those tackles. Guards are fine inside. Center's fine inside. So he'll help those tackles with chips. 
uh, getting rid of the football, uh, throwing the ball on first down where you're going to get the run looks where you can, you know, a hitch on first down with a seven man box is a run play to Kevin Stefanski. So I think you're going to start seeing that as well, where you're going to take those extended runs on first. If you're going to crowd the box in the run game, I think they'll be fine. Having Callahan will make them work. They'll be well, they'll be well schooled. They're going to work tomorrow. They'll practice. They'll have it. They'll have a game plan on what they need to do. Um, they'll take a look at the defensive front for the uh, bears, uh, which I will do the same and, and, and see what they got to do. So, uh, I think they're going to be fine. I think they, when they say next man mentality up, next man up, I really think it's true with the offensive line because you and I have both seen different guys go in there for years and have success. So I think they'll they'll continue to be successful. Let's flip to the other side of the ball real quick, right before we started recording the pod. And uh, Mary Kay Ashley and I talked about this in, in the first half of the pod. Mo Hurst uh, put on IR. He's done for the season, a, a torn peck. He's been a great story for this team, obviously, and he's been really good. Uh, for this football team as an extra defensive tackle is like their third or fourth defensive tackle. What are the Browns losing in Mohurst? Well, he's a, he's a really, really good run run stopper right now. So he is causing havoc. He is, he is uh, able to get upfield in that gap. Uh, He plays with tremendous leverage and he's been just so active. So you, you constantly see, he rarely takes a playoff. He rarely gets doubled. Uh, he is in that gap. And what they lose with him, in my opinion, is they, you know, you get to that second or third drive when you start, everybody starts slowing down a little bit, both sides of the ball. And he gives you that immediate energy, like that guy off the bench in basketball, where you're going to get immediate points, right? The guy who can come and give you, uh, give you some buckets. And that's what he does on the defensive line. He comes in and gives you some immediate quarterback pressures. Uh, he screws up double teams. He screws up reach blocks. Uh, he's kind of a, he's kind of a freelancer, which in, in Schwartz, I, I don't say that negatively. I say that as like, he's, He's going to fly around and make plays and kind of put his body on the line because he's only going to play a certain amount of snaps. So uh, really a big loss because he you lose a ton of juice when he's uh, when he's not in the game. That's a big loss for Browns. I just found that out from you. So that one's not that that's what's keeping this team together. That front seven has been pretty healthy. So that's a big loss, though. Okay, so the the one thing I did want to ask you about on the offensive side that has been a little bit iffy is the run game. And you touched on this uh, a little earlier, like you know, it might not always, it might not be that consistent down to down run game, but they, they're getting big runs when they need them. What, what, what is the state of this run game right now? Well, I think that, I think what you got to do is you got to have timely runs, right? So you're not going to, the, how many yards you rush for, what your average per, uh, that's no longer important without Nick Chubb and, and with the injuries. It's when are you getting the runs and, and are you getting the runs when you need them? Third and short red zone, uh, first down, first and five if you're in the ball. But I also think in his run game on that call sheet, I also think a lot of these passes now have to become run games. If you get a seven-man box, you have to take the hitch. So the run game is tagged now with a lot of the short passing game. Uh, I still think they're really good inside. I really think the double teams can be good inside if they're going to run that inside zone downhill uh, behind Teller, Posick, and, and uh, Bentonio. But if they're going to if they're going to continue to run the ball, they have to run it on not no not first down as much maybe. And they have to include that short passing game because if you get a seven-man box and you trust Joe Flacco, throw a hitch out there. That hitch is five yards or maybe a break one and, and you get a first down. So, and you get those swing passes, uh, you know, those those little option, you know, those swing passes to, uh, to Ford have been outstanding. And Kareem Hunt is, uh, you know, not doesn't have a great average, but he gives you tough yards and he's going to get you a first down. And like, you know, that crucial one, I think, of Hunt, I don't think about how many yards he had. I think about the crucial fourth down run and I think about the touchdown run out of Wildcat. So just the timely runs, uh, being able to get first downs and being able to pick up key yards when they need it. It's really they got to do. They got to hang on and keep fighting and, and play with the defense and make sure they punt it and all those kind of things. All right, here we go. My favorite part of the week. 
What do you have for me this week? I'll, I will, I want to say this. The Smells Draft got some feedback. Yo, um, I got some good. Yeah. Some good, some bad. Yeah. The Smells Draft got some feedback, though. I'll say that. I will say this. as Obviously, as, as I've been with you now a couple of years, I get lots and lots of feedback. It's usually really, really positive. It's really great. And uh, the Smells one was the one that's, you know, I was really shocked. It was... People really had some <laughs> strong opinions uh-huh. on. Uh, I was. Uh, it was good though. That's good. To, uh, yeah. Hey, I love it. So, all right. Here, here's going for you today. What are your What are your top three pet peeves? What are your top three pet? Oh peeves? man, that's so open ended. That's a great. It's a great top... open ended question. Things that just bother you. Um. Okay. You know what? People that just ride in the left lane on the highway. Exactly right. That's a good one. That's what I Absolutely that's a, kills me. There's a reason you should I, get over, right? There's there's a left all, lane yeah. for a reason. Yeah, all of mine. Should, all of mine could probably be driving, like driving related. Honestly, um, yeah. Uh, people who people who in the left lane on the highway. Um, here's a throwback. This is a throwback because I don't really. My kids are older now. My my daughter's in seventh grade. My son's a junior. So we don't we don't go to playgrounds anymore. Like that used to be the big, you know. Mm-hmm. God, Saturday morning, these kids are killing me. They've been up since five in the morning. We're going to go spend hours at the playground. But my pet peeve was always the one parent who just paid zero attention to their kid. And it was always the kid that like would play with a stick or like do something. It's like, oh my God, this kid's killing me. And now I got to watch this kid. And you're over there on your phone. Like, I'm not saying you got to run around and go down the slide with your kids, but like, at least just make sure your kid's not running around with a stick. Uh, absolutely right? something another like that. another solid one that's another one okay you've got to go here because i've got to think of another i got to come up with another. this is like the airing of grievances right here we, uh, yeah, this no, could go on I, for I, I knew this would trigger we could be here a while so my, my my first one and i this bothered me this is my number three is people who when when the plane lands and the oh my the, god and they at the immediate rush to stand up and get to the front I, it absolutely, it's, it's mind boggling. And I, it's so frustrating every single time and it's never changed. People are always in a rush and it makes no sense to me. Uh, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, we could spend hours just on airports too. I think I'm going to have an airport one for you. Go ahead. And then, uh, I, this bothers me, uh, when you go see a really good movie and people clap at the end of the movie, like there are people <laughs> are going to hear it. I have no idea. That's always been my wife's always like, why does it make you mad? I'm like, I don't, they can't hear you. Why are they clapping? It makes me crazy. Just stand up. The light came on leave. That's another one. And then my, I respect, then, I actually kind of respect the clapping at the end of a movie. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. And then, and then my, for sure, my worst one, which I have, it's probably just me, but when you let somebody in. At like a, you know, like if you're at like a concert and you let somebody in and they don't give you the hand, they don't give you the, just a, and I don't need to lie, I just need the the subtle acknowledgement yes. of that I let you in on the highway at the, you know it's slow pulling out, it's uh what whatever it is and you don't give me the, just the it, that's a, that's a very big pet, that's my number one pet peeve without question. I did a good deed. That's yeah. <laughs> Correct. And I wanted acknowledged that I did a good deed. Just just give me a hand. Just know you know that I know. (laughs) (laughs) I got another. I got another travel one for you because obviously I'm. You know, I I travel a fair amount. So um, this is not on the plane. This is before you board the plane. First of all, plane boarding in general is just a mess. I don't know who Mm -hmm. came up with how we do this. I don't know why they do, but whatever. Um, Why we all have to get in? There's like three doors on the plane. Why do we all have to get in the front? Come on. Anyway. They, they do this by group, people. Like, it goes by group. 
And I'm not a group elitist. I'm always in one of the last groups. Okay. I'm always in like group four, group six, whatever. But if you're in like group six and group four is boarding, don't stand there like you're in line because nobody knows what to do. We all just stare at each other. We don't know if we're, are you in group six? Are you in group? No, I'm in group four. I'm, it's a mess. Don't stand there. We'll all get on the plane. We're all going to the same place. Yeah, it's not an, on, I used to say, it's not an on-deck circle. There's no on-deck circle. Just to wait. It's, <laughs> just wait. It's four, then five. Because then you're right. Then you get the weird looks and no one knows what they're doing. And uh, I'm with you. Um, and then, and then a- if you are like, if you're lucky enough that, hey, I got in group two and you think you're standing in line and the next thing you know, group four is boarding. It's like, oh my God, I've been standing behind this group six person for the last 10 minutes. I should have been on the plane already. I got one honorable mention, right? Can I get you one? Can I get one honorable yes, mention in here? So absolutely. My, my honorable mention, and, and, and we get this a lot in, you know, in the coaching, teaching world. And, and I made my dad make sure I never did it, but it's to meet to meet. Like you meet to set up another meeting, a huge pet peeve of mine. Like something that you could, something that like one email could have taken care of or like three emails and two texts. And like, we have a 30, you know, 45 minute meeting and you get done. You're like, why? So the meet to meet is uh that's my, that's my uh, complaint. Um, you know, I'm putting names out there, but I also don't like to meet to meet. So I made sure I never did that. Okay. Well, happy Festivus to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it turned into more of a little bit of a gripe session, but, you know, it is what it is. I got to be creative in my questions. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, we could have done this for – we could have done a draft of this, and we could have gone 100 rounds probably on well, there's gonna, pet peeves. We'll, we'll have to remember. We'll have to have, uh, we'll have, to have rounds in the offseason when, uh, when we're talking. We'll have, some, uh, we'll have some interesting pods for people to listen to. <laughs> All right. Well, that is Lance Reisland coming up with another fantastic question for us here on on a Wednesday. Uh, If you are not a football insider subscriber, get subscribed. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on Instagram too. search Orange and Brown Talk. Find our YouTube channel, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. And also get subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're on Apple, leave us a good review. Say something nice about us. Maybe leave your pet peeve. You know what my pet peeve is, Lance? People who love the pod and don't leave five star reviews and say nice things about us on Apple Podcasts. I still, I still like you. I still appreciate you listening. But just click that five stars. Give us, say something really nice. We like it. Okay, that's Lance from Mary Kay and Ashley. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm